You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam McAlvey, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com. And it's a pretty exciting day for the Brewers because Christian Yelich... Uh, first season in Milwaukee, a place he wasn't even sure he'd fit in, Adam, was named the National League's most valuable player. And he was surrounded by friends, family, oh, Ryan Braun, Mike Moustakis, oh, no big deal, Baker Mayfield. And listen, Adam, his numbers weren't astronomically better than Nolan Arenado or Javi Baez, but it wasn't necessarily about that. It's what he did for his team to push them into the playoffs, right? Yeah, I mean, it's his numbers down the stretch were astronomically better than than everyone. The slugging yes. in the second half was the best in baseball since Barry Bonds in two thousand and four. Um, it was pretty historic stuff, and it was you know as you said, it was kind of when the team needed him most. He played his best baseball. His OPS in September was thirteen hundred. Um, <laughs> you know, he. I think it was a, it was an interesting uh, debate going into even September. But then statistically, he really pulled away. I, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm shocked that Jacob deGrom didn't get more than one first place vote. I thought the yeah. case for deGrom this year was pretty compelling because, you know, while Yelich's year was great and certainly MVP worthy, deGrom had kind of one of those just really, really special outlier you know, might not be done again for a really long time type seasons for a pitcher. And I thought he'd at least a handful of first place votes and it turns out he only got one. And I think that's a testament to just how good Yelich was down the stretch, leading the team, his team to a division title. And he made it a lot easier on some of the voters who were open-minded to picking a pitcher. Yelich was just so good in the end that, that, you know, 29 of them went with Yelich. Yeah. So as you mentioned, so he slashed, uh, 370, 508, 804 from September 1st to October 1st. Um, and obviously, what, are you laughing? Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And obviously, you know, that's, that's why the Brewers did what they did. I mean, you watched him night after night and he was Mr. Clutch. He was, when I think about uh, clutch guys, I often think about a guy like Justin Turner. And I thought Christian Yelich, um, with less experience in the league, um, was doing, really incredible things. And I heard you this morning on MLB Central talk about how this may never happen again. He may never have a season like this again. You never really know with guys. Um, When you look back throughout the years of the MVPs, sometimes you hear names and you don't even know who that guy is um, because they just had one phenomenal flash in the pan year. Some guys, obviously, you know, Barry Bonds, uh, he's on a different planet. Um, but you you mentioned that that he may, he may never do this again. But I mean, what do you expect from Christian Yelich next season? His his next his second season in Milwaukee with a team who who knows how to compete now and, and has that obviously the extra hunger to get back to the postseason. Yeah, I definitely don't think Christian Yelich is going to be one of those MVPs that you don't recognize. Um, you know, 20 years from now, because he's had some very, very good seasons for the Miami Marlins in a, in a ballpark that is, you know, it's where extra base hits go to die. And <laughs> I, I, 
I think, and he's 26 years old, so he's coming yeah. into his prime. He's going to be a very good player for a long time for this Brewers team. My point about, you know, it might never happen again is he just, to think he's going to have a, a, a second half like that again is asking a lot. Because as I said, yeah. it, was, it was 14 years since somebody put together the kind of slugging second half that Christian Yelich did, and that guy was Barry Bonds. So it's, you know, it, <laughs> it's, I, I think he's going to be a very, very good player. But I think even Christian Yelich would say um, that there's no guarantees that you're going to have an MVP season again. And Sorry. look, the, the other thing I said is one of the things I loved in covering the guy is how aware and appreciative he was that this was special stuff. You know, yeah. I think sometimes when a guy is young in, in the major leagues um, and there's either individual success or team success, you're so confident because you've made it to this level at, at such a young age and, and having this great success. I think a lot of guys feel like this is normal and this is how it's going to be. You know, Mike, it's be like Mike Trout where you're top five in the MVP every year. And I think Yelich had an understanding of, you know, this, your success can be taken away very quickly and don't take any of this for granted. He said something like that many, many times when he would be doing these crazy things. Um, and I, I, I like that about him. It makes me actually believe he's going to be able to have sustained success because of that awareness that you, you shouldn't take this stuff as you shouldn't accept that this is going to be the way it is every year, that there's going to be periods, there's going to be seasons where you struggle ahead. So appreciate the times that are really good. And, and I, I liked that about him. I, I feel like he enjoyed his season as much as he possibly could, even amid all the pressure and all the demands on his time and things like that. I really think he enjoyed the baseball and he enjoyed the, the great things that he did. Yeah. And you, you mentioned 26 years old and he handled it really well. And I, and he, you know, you heard him talk about the first time he kind of realized that his name was in the conversation was when he heard the fans chanting MVP and he had to kind of refocus himself and realize, okay, big picture here. And I think you could probably attribute that to a couple of things. I think probably coming up in Miami's organization, being surrounded like by a guy like Giancarlo Stanton and, and um, you know, he had D Gordon by his side and Marcelo Zuna and just um, around a good group of guys probably helped shape him a little bit to get to this point. But Adam, I have, I have two more questions on Yelch. My first one is when Milwaukee acquired him, was this like, and I know I'm sure they had high expectations, but they didn't expect this from him, did they? No, and David Stearns has said this, that Christian Yelich exceeded expectations. I don't think you can make a trade and, you know, really think with a high degree of probability that the guy's going to be the MVP. You hope you're getting a good player. And the Brewers thought they were getting a very good player coming into his prime. And they also thought that a move to Miller Park, a, a pretty hitter-friendly ballpark, particularly for left-handed hitters, was going to benefit him and lead to a boost in, in production. And they had seen that the year before when they brought in Travis Shaw from Boston and they signed Eric Thames, and both of those guys had huge years um, in terms of especially home runs, but really just slugging numbers in general. Those were two potent left-handed bats, and Miller Park is a very good place for those types of guys. So Yelich was... The thought was that he was going to do the same. Now, the question with Yelich was this, this ongoing debate about launch angle. And 
you know, he continued to say in the postseason when he would get asked about this over and over because his number, his, his he has been hitting the ball in the air more. And even as last season went along, he he hit the ball he hit the ball in the air more often as the season progressed. And the thought was that he was, you know, that it was by design that this is what a lot of players are doing now. And and Miller Park is certainly a stadium in which hitting the ball in the air is a good thing for a hitter. But he kept saying that it was not on purpose, that this is just kind of the natural evolution of his swing. He did not purposely try to, to lift the ball any more than he had in the past. Um, you know, again, he's, he's a guy who's 26. He's learning more about what he can and cannot do, which pitches he can and cannot handle. He's smarter in the box, going up to the plate with a better plan. The game maybe slows down as you get more experience. He's six seasons deep now, six full years deep in his career. And all of those things led to better launch and at Miller Park that led to a lot of home runs so it's it, he's a he's a really interesting guy in that he he um he he sort of loves fending off questions about the, that that topic because everybody assumes it was by design and he he insists it wasn't that it's just uh you know he thinks of himself as just an example of a player that with age and experience got better I love it okay my last question about Yelich is your favorite Christian Yelch story from this season? Oh, boy. I mean, I'm going to forget one probably. <laughs> put on the spot, but. Um, I did put you on the spot, huh? Yeah, I mean, look, it was, that, that second cycle was insane. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, it just doesn't happen. He, nobody had ever hit for the cycle twice in the same season against the same team. And the cycle isn't like the greatest. Uh, measure of a great player some you know not so great players have hit for the cycle it's somewhat a matter of just luck and hits falling in the right place at the right time um but to do it twice in the span of less than three weeks was um was pretty crazy the other moment i really loved was when his brother came back his brother had served in the military that's right yeah play in over a year and was able to make it back to Miller Park. And that was during that same period. I think that was the same series as the second cycle, or at least the same homestand. And um, that was really special, too. Um, you know, Yelich is a guy, he talked about this a lot, and you saw it, I think, in the MVP show. He's been surrounded by a lot of the same people for a long time. He has very deep friendships. He was the first guy in his family yeah. to play baseball, really get into baseball. Um, and uh, he built friendships playing the game and travel ball and some of the showcase teams. Nolan Arenado was a guy that we played with and against a lot as a kid. Um, and some of those friendships that he made at that time as a you know 12 year old, they're still some of his closest friends. And I you know that sort of showed up a lot down the stretch too. So some of the conversations with him about those things I thought were pretty cool. I think it's one of the ways he stayed humble is that, you know, he didn't have a lot of like, he didn't have like a the the posse that some players have, where it's all people who came to be friends with him once he got good. You know, his the the friends he had around him were guys that he knew when he was twelve. So yeah. it's kind of just a different mindset. You don't necessarily you have people who've seen you do goofy, stupid stuff. So I think <laughs> a little bit humble. I think that's one of the reasons he was able to stay humble down the stretch. Awesome. Okay. Uh, quickly, I have to give a shout out, Adam, to our friend. We have a friend. Her name's Natalie on Twitter. Natalie responded and listened to our podcast from last week. 
And she said, at Adam McAlvey, please Photoshop a beard onto your profile picture. Hashtag brewers on tap. Adam, the people have spoken. So it would only be right to uh, to go through with this. If you need help with the Photoshop, you let me know. I can help you out with that. I know some people. Um, but Natalie has spoken. And I think that when, you're, when your fans reach out to you like that, you got to follow through, Adam. What do you have to say to that? And I do need help. Yeah, I, you know, I should have. Uh, I, I was away for the, the last weekend. Did you run a half marathon? I did, yes. I did. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, a little uh, in Las Vegas, they shut down the strip. So this, That's all, awesome. this all happened at the same time. So Natalie, sorry we didn't give you more love. <laughs> That's right, Natalie. But now we're giving you the shout out because you know what? We talked about that at the very end of the podcast. So that means that Natalie listened to <laughs> 15 minutes of gold, in my opinion. But you know, Natalie listened to the very end. So shout out all right. uh, yeah. to you for that. Help me out. Someone's got to help me out in Photoshop this thing. Okay. uh, I I will, at least on a temporary basis. Maybe for like the end of the year? Sure. I like it. Okay. All right. Hear my cries, Twitter fam, because I know you're loyal and I know you love your Adam McAlvey. So if you could Photoshop a beard onto his Twitter photo so we can use that for the end of the year, my life would be made. My birthday's coming up, in fact. Um, That would be the best birthday gift anyone could ever give me. So help me out here. Birthday goal. I do. You know what? It's just a happy day. And if someone would do that for me, it would be make me really happy. Um, you know, we could talk about a couple other things. We obviously need to mention Craig Council um, coming up in second in manager of the year voting. Uh, Brian Snicker from the Braves earning that award. But uh, what Craig Council did with this team, Adam, you, you've gotten to witness it. And he's uh, he's I like I think zany is a good word to use for him, but I mean it in the best way possible. Not like a pinky in the brain, kind of like diabolical zany, the more like he's willing to color outside the lines and, and give it a whirl kind of zany. And he came in second place. Well, look, a lot of that came really became the story in the postseason, And of course those votes are due before the first pitch of the wildcard games. Um, so you know, some of the the outside the box thinking really showed up in the division right. series, and especially in the NLCS with the Wade Miley gambit, which remains right. my favorite word. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get that in every podcast. The word gambit. <laughs> um, look, uh, this is a hard award to vote. The awards in general are really hard to vote for, and I would encourage people who want to come on and criticize. You know, the the voter who gave uh, DeGrom uh, the lone first place MVP vote, uh, the writer who gave Max Scherzer first place. I would encourage people to, to just sit down and do their own list. You got to come up with, yeah. what is it, three rookies, uh, five Cy Youngs, three rookies, three managers, five Cy Youngs, and 10 MVPs, and you got to line them up. It's it's yeah. it's a challenge, and I would say the manager of the year vote is a really challenging one because if you are working with a manager and watching every game all year, you can sort of see a manager's influence on a team very apparently. If you are not, and you know, for all you know, you're watching one manager and the other twenty nine, you're getting glimpses of. It's really hard to measure. I think for the BBWAA voters. Um, just what role the manager is playing in the success of a team. And it ends up being a, uh, you know, the manager of the year vote often goes to the team that most exceeded expectations. 
So, you know, it's a tricky one to vote for. I don't, I'm not surprised that Brian Snicker won. I'm certainly not surprised that Council, who was fourth last year, moved up to second this year. Both of those guys had, you know, they led teams that had fantastic seasons, maybe arrived a little quicker than people thought. But look, I don't know Brian, I don't know Brian Snicker's influence on a day-to-day basis on the Braves. Right. Um, and it's a, it would be a really hard thing. Um, I'm glad I didn't have that vote, basically. <laughs> I can tell you about Craig Council. His impact was, and we've talked about this, Danny, it, it started the first day of spring training. The idea of connectedness yeah. was a big deal for him. The idea of, um, you know, being a, a position player group versus starters and relievers, being out getters. That's a, a phrase that we used a lot around the ballpark instead of starters and relievers. And that notion paid off a lot down the stretch when, kind of roles got thrown out the window and you had Travis Shaw playing second base for the first time in his life and it worked and it helped them offensively. And you had, um, you know, you had pitchers sort of working in unfamiliar roles and Dan Jennings starting a game in St. Louis for one batter and then them going to a, a, a young kid in Freddie Peralta in a sort of a preview of how they would do a couple of games in the postseason. Um, players bought into the idea of sort of team above individual and it worked. They won the division. They, they tied the franchise record for victories. They got to within one game of the World Series. And Craig Council, I think, was rightfully rewarded with the second place finish. Um, and congratulations to him because that's a uh, yeah. manager's role is one where you sort of are in the spotlight when things go poorly, but you're not yeah. very often in the spotlight when things go well. That's right. That's right. Okay, Adam, last thing before I let you go. Um, because I'm not sure we're going to talk next week. Uh, it's Thanksgiving next week. Um, the one thing you're most thankful for besides me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm glad you got that one out of the way. Uh, got it out of the way. Look, I mean, I'm 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 thankful to have a job that's not really work, and that was um, that really bore out on the stretch this year because you know following a team that's in it and gets into the postseason is a real grind. But man, it's really fun. It's really fun to be around baseball games that are extremely meaningful and where you're hanging on every out and every pitch. And, you know, on top of that, you get paid to do it. And it's, um, it's, it's just really fun. So in a season where the team that I follow happened to play some really big baseball, (laughs) that's that's gotta be what, what I'm most thankful for. Oh, great answer, my friend. Great answer. Well, listen, I hope you have a fabulous Thanksgiving with your family, some nice time off with everybody, and then we're going to come back and hit the ground running because we got winter meetings around the corner in fabulous Las Vegas. I think that's what they say there, or Viva Las Vegas, something like that. Um, And uh, it's going to get exciting. You know how to play blackjack, Danny? Like, actually, do you you know how to play blackjack? I I think I know how to play. I know how to play... um, uh, shoot, I can't even think of the name. What's the name where it spins around? Roulette. It's roulette. Roulette. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm a work in progress when it comes to those things, Adam. So uh, you're going to teach me? We will work on that between, you know, <laughs> between doing our jobs is number one. Okay. But we will work on yes. because I am. I will be very impressed if you can um, correctly play blackjack. That is a great skill to have. Hey, don't uh, underestimate beginner's luck here, okay? Uh, it's not luck, it's math. That's why. All right, well, I'm not very good at math, so we're going to have a lot of problems. But right, send, 
send your well wishes for us. Um, Adam McGalvey, I appreciate your time as always. Happy Thanksgiving. If you guys need to get your brewers fixed, you can go to MLB.com slash brewers and check out all of Adam's hard work there. Uh, I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam McGalvey. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.